But I'm so glad you're here today, and I'm just excited for what the Lord's doing. I believe that God is setting his church up, and I know that Faith Builders is such a, in a position for God to do something so special in this season. And as I was looking over the past messages, just since we, since we came back in, um, I think it's May 31st, I uh, begin to look at what the Lord's been saying, and I just encourage you, if you have time during the week, to jump online and start listening to the teachings and, and really put together what the Lord has strategically been placing in this church, not just on Sunday mornings, but Pastor Paul's midweek services. They're just these beautiful uh, puzzle pieces that I believe the Lord is putting together so faith builders can receive the harvest that we're called to receive. Amen. I know the word from the Lord is that we, have, we are called to take North Phoenix for Jesus. And we want to see people saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to see people healed and delivered in a special move of God. Amen. But a church has to be ready. We have to be positioned to receive what God has or whatever comes in will just funnel and fall away anyway. But we want to maintain the fruit, don't we? We want to have such a great, strong body of believers that we can maintain the fruit and continue to grow and do what God's called us to do. And so Last week, I finished up the series on Jubilee, and I really enjoyed that personally even, learning that we walk in Jubilee every single day of our lives because of Jesus. Uh, but something that was significant that was through those three weeks, God was really talking about breaking off legalism and breaking off the law that we can never do enough to feel qualified for Jesus. We get to do Jesus, amen. I get to read the word of God, but I don't have to do those things to be qualified for Jesus. And so I think God is breaking these things off of us so that we can receive the fullness of who he has for us individually to go and do what God's called us to do corporately. And so as I was praying this week and, and what to speak on, the Lord, one word came to my, my heart and what I saw in the spirit was the word regrets. And I know that God wants to break regrets off of our hearts. God wants to break those things off of our life that we are disappointed that we've had in our life. Maybe a decision that we made. Maybe a decision we didn't make in our life. Right? Maybe a bad relationship or whatever it is. No matter how old you are in Jesus in this room. I've been serving the Lord since I was 20 years old and I'm 25 now. And I'm, it's been a hard five years. Now I'm just... It's been a great five years for Jesus. <laughs> I was serving the Lord a long time. And I know that the closer you start stepping into God, the more the enemy wants to throw regrets in your past. And it may not even be something that you think about consciously all the time. But just when you're getting your engine going, you know, just when you're getting your faith activated and you're believing God for miracles, this picture of something from the past will pop up in your heart. And it can come out of nowhere. You can be driving your car and this regret's going to flash right in front of your face. You can, be, you can be praying, talking to God, and that regret is going to throw up in your face. And throw, well, throw up in your face, literally. <laughs> Blech. That's what the devil does, amen. But I want us to put regret on notice. And we're going to say no more. What I've done in my past or what I wasn't able to do or whatever it is does not identify who I am today as Christ followers. Because when you buy into the regret, it puts your life on hold or on pause. And you literally stop in the tracks of where God is trying to take you because the enemy is too busy reminding you of your past instead of you looking to your future. 
So I want you to identify, and it won't be hard for you to do as I'm preaching, but what are those things that, you, that come up in your life that, that remind you in the midnight hour, a bad decision or a poor choice or a regret that you have? As I'm preaching today and you identify those things, we're going to pray. And I know the Lord are going to sh- the Lord's going to shatter those things in your life. Amen. And you're going to find that freedom that you deserve in your life. And maybe we're sitting here this morning and we have a regret that we actually hurt someone. You know, we've made a mistake where we hurt someone else's heart. And we've got to learn to let those things go and see that they are a stumbling block of the enemy. Regret is a tool of the enemy to keep you out of the will of God and going forward in the kingdom of God. So let's look at what regret means. What is that word? And I think we have a definition we're going to throw up on the screen. The word regret means this, sorrow or remorse accompanied by a sense of loss. So something you have to understand of the regrets in our past that we've had and whatever it is, there is a sorrow attached to it. That means that your emotions is attached to it. It's a real feeling and it gets embedded on the inside of us and what happens is as we're living this journey in loving God that remorse always finds a way to sneak itself up and we have to recognize that that is actually stopping the will of God and the advancement in it could be in your marriage in relationships in friendships and in the ministry or whatever it is that that thing starts coming up and what is it attached to it's attached to a loss That means I lost something in that choice that I made, that regret. I lost something. So what is our human nature? We have a tendency to want to keep going back to find out what I I lost. I need to find out what I lost. And Jesus is saying, no, I don't want you to look to the past anymore. That regret is not who you are. You keep looking back, but there's nothing there. Now, when it's under the blood of Jesus. Now, when you've asked Jesus in your life, we cannot eliminate the cross. Amen. We've asked Jesus into our life. We've confessed our sins and we've laid it at the foot of the cross. And and we know that Jesus forgave us of it. Then that's where we need to leave it is under the blood of Jesus. And take that territory that regret has no hold on me anymore. I'm going to keep stepping into Jesus until what I regret is not even identified in my emotions or in my spirit any longer. It's not ruling me. I know when I stepped into being a pastor, uh, well, it's been three years ago now, when you're stepping into a new area, the enemy is going to throw all kinds of pictures of how you can't do what God's called you to do. He'll do it in the midnight hour. You'll be going to bed. You're feeling worthless, right? You'll feel like nobody really cares what you have to say. Like all these lies will just start coming up in you. And you have to realize that as a believer, I have God in me. I have the great I am in me. He's forgiven me, right? I don't do what I can in my own ability. But thank God I can do it through the grace of Jesus Christ in my life. Regret, you have no control on me. Amen. You're not going to have dominion over me. God gave me dominion and authority, amen. So regret has a sense of loss to it. There's shame or there's remorse. It also means that regret camps in our mind. And what happens is that regret settles there and it stays with us. And we don't realize that we're making life choices. We're making sometimes self-destructive behavior patterns because that regret has camped there. And all we can see is what we wish we wouldn't have. Instead of seeing what God says is right in front of us. I know, I know that I know that the close of this year is going to be so amazing. I know coming into 2021, we need to get 
ready because God is releasing his spirit with signs, wonders, and miracles. There is no doubt in my heart. But if the devil can put a roadblock of regrets, he will halt the believers from being who God's called you to be. When you're looking at what you've done or didn't do in the past, you can't see who you are in Christ. So you can't see that unbeliever giving their life to Jesus. You don't have faith to lay hands on the sick and see them recover because you don't feel like you're worthy. You don't feel like you've got the power of God. We as Christ followers have to learn to put this under our feet once and for all. Amen. And that's why I'm so passionate about bringing it to you today. When you have regret that's living in your now or in your emotions, it hinders your relationship with Jesus. Because you feel like God's so far away. Isn't that the truth? You feel like God would never answer your prayer because of this regret when actually he's closer than he ever is going to be in the times where we need him the most. When we're living in regret, it robs our joy. Doesn't it? And it steals our peace. It makes us feel under condemnation instead of feeling that forgiveness and receiving the repentance that we need to find freedom in that area of our life. And then what happens? It keeps us looking in the past. When Jesus said in scripture, um, keep your eyes on me. I'm the author and the finisher of my faith. So the enemy can do all this noise over here and get us looking here, looking here, feeling like we're not worthy and feeling like if you really knew my story, you would never find value in me. If you really knew what I did in my past, you don't understand. God can't use me. God can't be real in my life if you only knew what I did, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person sitting in this room or listening online that has not made a mistake and needed the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can look at somebody in their redeemed state, a state of mind where they found out who they are in Christ and they've done the work to really know their image and we think, well, see, that's just for them. And you're looking at your own regret and your mistakes and all your failures and you feel worthless and the enemy makes sure and you're looking at this person like they're next to Jesus. You know, like they walk in the room and angels sing. Whoa. Heaven opens up and there's like this glory. No, that person deals with the same feelings of regret because we're all flesh and blood. Amen. We're all humans saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we got to stop condemning ourselves, right, and saying enough is enough. So what happens? Let's look at Revelation. Let's get in the word of God this morning. I'm going to give you some great word, and we're going to pray, and you're going to be set free. Amen. All right. Number one, the enemy is always accusing you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's always accusing you of your past and your mistakes. What does he attack when he attacks us? He attacks our heart. And he attacks our conscious. Why? Because our heart is where the seat of emotions are. And if he can hit that heart and make you feel a certain way, he can get you right out of the will of God. And people can come to church every Sunday, they can worship, and they can still sit in regret and never experience the fullness of the word of God because we're too busy looking at the sorrow and the regret of our heart. Time to get it out of our heart, amen. Time to get it out of my conscience and know who you are in Christ Jesus. If Christ's followers could get this one truth, and I've been teaching this, like I said, since I was 20 years old. If we could get this one revelation that you are saved by grace. 
through faith, through the blood of the cross. If you can get that truth that whatever I've done or I'm going to do is bought by the blood of the lamb, you will receive everything the word of God says. But if we don't get it there, we're never going to get it anywhere else. And we'll never take this city for Jesus to a lost and dying world who needs this hope and this answer. Amen. Time to let it go. So let's look at this in Revelation 12, verse 9, talking about Satan when he fell from heaven. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast out to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. Why? Why do you need the power of God, the strength of God, the salvation, the kingdom of God? Why? Continues to go. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. But why do I need the power of the cross? Because of the accuser of the brethren. Now we know that Satan's been defeated. Thank you, Jesus. When Jesus came, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he gave us life. And Satan has been put under our feet. The past is under our feet. Mistakes is under our feet. You've been given all power and authority. But just because he's defeated doesn't mean he still won't come and accuse you. Because that's his tool. That's what he gets to do here on earth is to accuse the brethren. Now, we know he's been defeated, but right now his job is just to accuse you of your past. And make you, you're never going to have a good marriage. You're never going to be a successful businesswoman or businessman. You're never going to be able to do this, right? You're going to feel all these things that you're never going to be something for Jesus. When he is just a liar and he's the author of it. And we have to recognize that voice of accusation when he comes. Right? Why? Because he's been put under our feet. Right? He's been cast down. Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. So what do I recognize as a believer? I recognize he's accusing me day and night. Not only to me but to God. But how many know the Bible says God fights the battle for me? God fights the enemy for me. My, my position is just to stay in Jesus, stay looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith. The accuser can accuse all he wants, but I'm covered in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. I'm covered from my past, I'm covered from today, and I'm covered from my tomorrow. I have grace and mercy that follows me every day of my life. A beautiful position to be in, right? So I recognize here's the accuser, but how do I overcome him? That verse says, by the blood of the Lamb. That means we have to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We have to receive that covenant of the new covenant of the blood that all my sins have been washed away. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west, amen. And he remembers them no more. So we're looking at something and God's like, what you looking at? There isn't anything there. I bought that by my son. I redeemed that. I'm restoring it back to you. I'm giving it back a hundredfold what the enemy meant for evil. I'm about to turn it for good. See, when you know that it's by the cross, you can take the confidence of the word of God and say, I don't care how I feel. I know the power of God's word. 
And you can hit the floor walking by the power of the word of God and not by my own accusations, my own conscience, or my sorrow of my heart. But I can take control of that thing by the word of God. And the word of God is what? Living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. You want to combat the enemy? Start using the word of God. Amen. Get that sword out. Start doing the word of God. Start walking and talking who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He has forgiven me. He's redeemed me. I'm in jubilee. All my bare cupboards are full in Jesus' name. My family members are saved. My job's going to give me favor. My children are coming to Jesus. Whatever it is, you can walk and talk by faith because why? The devil's been defeated in my life, and I'm not bound by regrets anymore. I have authority because God gave it to me. You see that? See that faith that's all activated right now? That's what you step into. I can come in this pulpit, whatever I'm going through, and step into say, God, it's all about you. I may have just had a fight. Who knows? I may have just been beat up by the enemy. I might have got a bad report. But I know that I can step into who I am in Christ Jesus, and he will not fail me. No matter how I feel, amen. I'll tell you, I was terrified taking a lead position as a pastor. It was a scary position for me. And my parents were like, oh, you got it, girl, you know. And I love ministry. And I was born for ministry. But I still had my own things coming up in my face, right. So you have to learn to push those things aside and say, no, I know that's how the world may see me. That's how the enemy wants me to see me. But I know who I am in Christ Jesus, amen. And when you do that, you take territory. You begin to do things that you never thought you could do in in your life. Amen. And see the fruit of the kingdom because of it. All right, let's go over that last one, number 11. I overcame him by the blood of the lamb and then what? The word of my testimony. Thank you, Jesus, I've been forgiven. Thank you that that situation is under the blood of the lamb. Now I'm going to testify the goodness of God, just like I said. You're going to walk and talk the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And if you can share your story from a place of victory, then you share your story as the Lord leads you from victory. Not from victim, but from victory. And when someone can hear your victory story and you're sharing it with them, you're going to bring them to victory. So you begin to duplicate who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. God is so awesome. So what does God want to do? He wants us to recognize the enemy and step up. Now I want you to see this in Isaiah 14 verse 16. Isaiah prophesied this. When Jesus comes again for his church... It's going to be a wonderful thing for the kingdom of God. But when he comes back, Isaiah prophesied that the whole world, the enemy is going to be exposed for who he really is. God's going to put the devil on display. And the whole world will say, this is the man that made the earth tremble. That, that is the man that made the world tremble. You're going to look and say, that's the thing that tried to steal my joy? That's the thing that robbed me of my destiny and my future? That's what made me walk away from the blessings of God? Why? Because he's powerless. He has nothing. All he can do is remind you of your past. That's all he can do. That's his tool. And we're going to go one day, we really bow down our whole future, what God has, on what a powerless, worthless nothing could do but we bully us and remind us of our past. I think we need to remind him of his future. 
I think it's time to tell the devil, let me remind you when Jesus comes back again, amen. Let me remind you what Jesus did when he went into your territory and took the keys of death and life. Let me remind you when my Jesus resurrected on the third day and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Let me remind you that he makes advocate to the Father. My behalf, not on your behalf. You can talk to the Father, but my God talks, my Jesus talks to my God on my behalf. Y'all got me so excited. Amen. Start telling the devil who he really is and who you are. And you watch him slither away. He has no power and authority, but what we give him over our mind. It's time to put him back where he belongs. Amen. All the enemy wants to do is cause us to look to our past and look back. To accuse someone is to charge them with fault. When he accuses you, it's your fault. It's your fault that blessing didn't happen. It's your fault that marriage failed. It's your fault you can't quit that situation. And you're pointing the blame to you. When in reality it's like, no, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can't do anything in my own ability. Right? I've been bought by the blood of the lamb. So the accuser wants to say it's your fault. And when you take responsibility, you own it. And you say yes to the lie instead of yes to what the word of God says over your life. So let's talk about this. Romans 4 verses 7 through 8 says this. I love this. This is the NIV version. It says this. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. That word blessed sounds like a really good Christian word, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, I'm blessed. Well, what does it mean? The word blessed there means happy or it means happier. See, when you come into Jesus and you start identifying with who you are, you get a little happier. Now, you may not get happy. There may be a process that God has to work out in our life. Sometimes we have those breakthrough happy moments and it's awesome. But sometimes when we're taking territory, well, man, I'm just a little bit happier, Jesus. I'm not all the way, but I'm a little happier. And then you take the next day, I'm a little happier, right? I'm happier. How am I happy? Blessed are those, happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven. That word transgression means offenses. Why do I have the joy of the Lord in my life? Because God has forgiven me. Why am I happy? Because the Lord redeemed my past. I have no more regrets. I only have what the future has in front of me. How am I happy? Thank you, God, you have forgiven me. Happy, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Thank you, Jesus. Happy, happier is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. As Christ's followers, yes, we need to come to him and we need to repent and there needs to be, you know what I'm saying, that real transformation in Christ. But God covers us in his blood when we do that. And when we get to heaven, he's going to open up the book and we're going to be judged on what we did and didn't do for him, but not about our sins. The world has to face the judgment seat of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We don't even have our name in that book. We're going to the throne of God. And he's going to say, enter into the joy of the Lord, my good and faithful servants. Why? Because when I know I've been redeemed, I'm going to have a fire that somebody else has to have this message to. Somebody at my job needs to hear this, right? the grocery store needs to hear this message. When you get the fullness of God in your heart, you can't wait to give it away. And when a church begins to do that, that's when revival begins to happen. That's when we'll begin to reach North Phoenix for Jesus Christ because a church that got in the full of Jesus, amen. 
My mic in Jesus' name. Somebody stretch your hand forward. All right. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. God is so good. So let's talk about this. Now we have the forgiveness of Christ. We're under the blood of Jesus. Now I want us to look over to Romans 14, verse, or excuse me, Romans 6. And we're going to go to verse 14 and 15. And this is the important part. Verse 14, for sin does not have dominion over you. Now put regret there. Regret has no dominion over you. That word dominion is control and authority. It has no control over you, amen. It has no right over you. You're not a slave to that thing. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Isn't that powerful? How can I get up and feel redeemed? I'm under grace. But let's go on with the rest of the word in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law and under grace? So there's the kicker. Now we have the forgiveness and the grace of God. But because of that, we don't get to throw down a grace card every time we feel like it. We still have to have the conviction of God. A sense of guilt is good because guilt draws us to repentance. And when there's repentance, there's forgiveness, and then there's restoration. So we can't make that null and void, right? But I'm not leading my life every day not feeling worthy by something I did many years ago that's under the blood of Jesus. You see the difference. So I have grace. Grace is the empowerment to overcome, not the permission to keep doing. It's a big difference. I have grace to overcome everything in my life. I am not slave to nothing because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because he gives me that grace, right? I can't do it on my own. Thank God for his grace. He says, so shall we continue to sin because we're under the law and not grace? And what does he say? Certainly not. Amen. So there's accountability to this relationship with Christ. I, don't, I didn't give this to them, but it says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey... You are to that one's a slave. So if you are constantly giving attention to the regret, which is normal human behavior, you will become a slave to that regret instead of stepping into the victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So good. Verse one, John, 1 John 1, 7 says this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, where does regret live? In the dark. Regret keeps us in shame. Regret is things we may never tell anyone, that we just keep buried in these seed of emotions, right? It's in the dark. But he's saying, John is saying, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. What does that mean? When I come in my body of believers or friends, my fellowship, I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to worry about what you think about me because I know I've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, right? I don't have to bring that regret. I'm in the light. I'm redeemed. Thank you for his grace and mercy, God. I have a story, and I'm, I would have wrote a different one, but this is it, and I thank God I'm redeemed from it. Amen. And God, use it for your glory. That's all I can ask. Right? Which we'll talk about in just a minute. So walk in the light as he have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why can I walk in the light? Because he's cleansed me of all of my sin. I don't have to be hiding in shame anymore. I've always said this, that we don't always need the enemy. We have this inner me we got to deal with. 
Because the enemy is so cruel to us, isn't it? It beats us up all the time. Enemy probably just sits back and sips on a pina colada or something. I'll let them beat themselves up, right? You guys know I'm kidding, right? Okay. Just making sure. Devil don't drink pina colada. Don't go writing something on Facebook. <laughs> all right. Number one. Let's quickly go. Number one, we said the enemy is always accusing. Number two, the enemy is always reminding you of your past. He's always reminding you. He's that little subtle voice that tries to sneak into your life and into your heart. We silence the enemy by turning to Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, right, where would I be? If it wasn't for his grace and forgiveness, where would I be? We have to silence him. It's want to go over to Genesis 3. And, uh, of course, we know this story of Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden and we're going to pick up where that happened. They had just eaten of the apple, both of them. And look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. I want you to see this, that as humans, we don't need somebody to tell us when we do wrong, do we? We don't need a preacher to get up here and beat you up and what you should and shouldn't be doing. Because the moment we do something wrong, we know. As soon as they did something wrong, their eyes were open. They had a clear understanding that they just did something that they shouldn't have done. And that's a good thing. Because without having that in our life, we would never be drawn to repentance. I pray the Lord never backs off of his conviction in my life. Because I always want to be and do who God's called me to be, amen. Through his grace, but Holy Spirit always search my heart. So he said their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. See, when we remember our past, when we look at the regrets, we enter into nakedness, which is we're ashamed and we feel vulnerable. This is the worst thing in the world to find yourself naked somewhere. Like, that's like the most horrific thing to even think of, right? And what do you want to do? You feel vulnerable and you want to hide. Because I don't want anybody to see all the weaknesses about me. I don't want anybody to see my failures or my shortcomings. So my instinct is to hide. And what happened? They sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of God, the Lord, sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now I want you to see something here that these two people had just failed God. They had just disobeyed God. Like they had one rule, that's it. And they failed. And they hid themselves. They knew they failed and they hid themselves. But guess what? They still, still heard God when he came. They heard the sound, the presence of God. And the Bible says that they hid. They still heard God. And what we want to do in our nature is when we see the regrets, we hide from God. But when we hide from God, he still sees you. And you have the ability to still hear God. Yet the devil makes us feel like, well, I made this mistake, so surely God isn't hearing me anymore. And we feel like God is so far away, yet in this moment, he's the closest he's probably ever going to be. Because he knew they had failed. This did not shock God when he showed up in the cool of the day. God came down with a mission to find Adam and Eve. So what did they say? I, I, we heard you in the garden, the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And I looked at this, this last night, I looked at this and I'm just studying this scripture over and I'm like, Adam and Eve are so funny. Because they are, they were in sin, 
They hid themselves from the presence of God in the garden. Now, God created the garden. They're trying to hide from God in his own creation. And the Bible says there's nowhere you can go from the presence of God. There's nowhere you can go. How high is his love, right? How deep. He said, my ear is not deep that I can't hear you. My hand is not short that I can't reach you. You feel like God's away because you're hiding. But God is like, guess what? I'm right here. I know where you're at. God showed up when they sinned with his presence. He didn't withhold his presence from them. He showed up with his presence. And what did he say to Adam? Where are you? Do you think God didn't know where Adam was? He knew right where Adam was. But what he wanted Adam to figure out is, do you know where you're at? Do you know where you're at, Adam? Because you hid yourself from my presence. I didn't withdraw from you. You hid from me. You go to the mall, you're going to find Forever 21 for all the guys, sporting goods shop. I don't know. What's a hunting shop? What? Do you shop at Forever 21? I didn't think so. I'm trying to pick a guy shop here. He's looking at me like, we like Forever 21. You did? I know they have boots. I know. You didn't get any? Okay. <laughs> you're going to go into the mall. You want to find out where you're going. What's the first place you have to do? Got to find out where I'm at. I'm going to go to the map. You are here. Okay, good. I'm here. Now I know what I need to do to get where I need to go. Locate our hearts today. What's this merry-go-round? What's this place that the enemy keeps tripping us up every time? Locate it. Put, it, put the light of God on it. Put the word of Jesus on that thing. Let it be obliterated, obliterated once and for all. Amen? Let God just stop on that thing. See it go in a thousand pieces that can never come back together for you. And we have to let it go to God. Amen. He said, I, I hid myself. God says, what are you doing? He's like, well, I, I heard you coming and I hid myself. And he's, I was afraid of you. And that word fear means a reverent fear. You have a reverent fear. You love God. There's this fear for God that's in a beautiful way. And that's why we want to hide from him. And God is saying, no more hiding. Amen. It's time to come out and be who God's called you to be. We need to be like John in this revelation that he had that was so powerful. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this. Jesus was coming to be baptized in the wilderness. It said, the next day John sees Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. That was a revelation. That wasn't just Jesus, the guy that ran around with everybody. When he showed up this day different, he had a revelation. Behold, the man, Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. If we can get that revelation that Jesus took away the sins of my life, he is the one that has redeemed me, we can be set free. So good, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Number three. Close with this. Number three. God works everything out for good. Jesus turns everything around for good. Even your mistakes. Even your regrets. This is the word of God. Listen, when Joseph was thrown into a pit, 
His brothers were so envious of him, they threw him into a pit to die. And then they felt kind of bad. They saw a, a group of Egyptians coming through, and they said, well, let's at least sell him to be a slave. I mean, I don't know which is better. I guess maybe slavery. But he was sold into slavery. And we know the whole story that Joseph went through, right? He went through so much to be where he was at. But God used the process of someone else's regret to promote him. The Bible says in Genesis 42:21, one of the brothers said, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. They had regret. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. And we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. They had regret for their decision. But God was using it for good. God will turn whatever situation. And then it came back fast forward. There was the famine in the land. And they didn't know, but God had promoted their regret to the top of the, of the command chain. And because of it, that family was taken care of, all of their goods and all of their food, because of regret. You don't know what God can do in something that you regret. In uh, Genesis 45, 5. Joseph was saying, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It doesn't mean that we still don't wish it didn't happen. But what it means, whatever it was, God, I know somehow you're going to work it out for good. Whoever was hurt, whoever was attached to whatever it was, grace and mercy to them in Jesus' name. I can't, I can't have the responsibility anymore. I have to give it to Jesus. But, Lord, turn it around for good and for your glory. Amen. And when you do that, God can work miracles in your life. Think about it. Um, Judas, who was guilty and had regret. And instead of going to Jesus like Peter did, Peter made a lot of mistakes, but Judas chose to stay in regret. And what did he do? He committed suicide. Of course, I'm not talking about natural suicide. But what do we do? We throw in the towel for the kingdom. I'm done. God can never use me. God can never do anything for me. Let's not be like, let's not be like Judas. Let's not throw in the towel anymore. Let's be like Peter. He made a lot of mistakes, people. David made a lot of mistakes. If you look actually at all the men in the Bible made a lot of mistakes. The women always clung to Jesus, I'm just saying. I can say that because I'm a woman standing here. But they did. They never betrayed Jesus. It was always the men. <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. But thank you for his grace and mercy. Amen. Thank God that we can start again, again, and again, and again. And again, and if we didn't have that, there'd be so many of you not even sitting in this room. So I want you to close your eyes, and we're just going to picture that, that area that the enemy's been doing like a red flag in front of you. Every time you try to go further with Jesus, you said, I wish, wish I wouldn't have done that, God. I'd be further if I wouldn't have done that. God, I wish I wouldn't have made that choice. You could use me so much more. If I wouldn't have done that, I'd be happily married. If I wouldn't have done this, whatever it is doesn't matter if it's a business deal or right now we're going to speak to that thing and we're going to speak death to it in the name of Jesus. So Father God, we speak to the root of any regret that is flashing in our life that is holding us captive. Lord, whether we had a part to play or whatever it was, it doesn't matter. We're going to receive your grace and mercy right now in Jesus' name. We curse the very root of that story. We see Holy Spirit 
that you just wipe, taking your hand and wiping it away, Father God. We are going to wave goodbye to the past once and for all. And we're going to receive your grace and your mercy. I just speak to guilt and condemnation that has just chained you up, that has been like a, been like on a loophole of this situation. And God, we just cause that situation to come off repeat. And we command it to stop in Jesus' name. want you just in your heart receive just re receive forgiveness for it right now just between you and the Lord just receive forgiveness say Lord I, I renounce it I call it sin I call it out of me it's not going to have control over me any longer I'm not going to be a slave to that any longer in Jesus name but I release it from my life my soul my mind my remembrance in Jesus name come out of my seat of my emotions I'm surrendering that once and for all at the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is done away with and I am new in Jesus. So Lord, right now I pray they will receive the goodness and the grace of God. I want everybody just to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me all of my sins, all the regrets, all the opinions of people, all the labels placed on me, they are not who I am any longer in Jesus' name. I receive a new day, new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're seated there, just we're going to worship for just a second. You can stay seated and lift your hands. And we're just going to receive and worship what the Lord is doing in letting those regrets go. Let this be your song. Thank you, Jesus. Just see his anointing. I feel his anointing already. Just receive it. Blood of Jesus Christ. 